Brandy Steelhammer is a leader of the Moms Demand Action Chapter in Bend, Oregon. She's a mother and a licensed clinical social worker. Moms Demand Action is a grassroots movement of Americans fighting for public safety measures that can protect people from gun violence. It was founded in 2012, the day after the mass shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newton, Massachusetts. This conversation is being recorded on June 9th, 2022, while Congress is in session and legislation is being proposed and debated. Brandy Steelhammer, welcome to the Radical Songbook Podcast. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it very much. I know you're busy and I appreciate you taking the time. Before we get into the issues of gun violence, can you tell our listeners a little about yourself? How, how long have you lived uh, here in Bend, Oregon? I've been in Bend for uh, almost 10 years, and uh, I'm a lifelong Oregonian, grew up, uh, born and raised here, and uh, I live in a gun-owning family, and I grew up around hunting, and uh, I'm a mom and wife, and I just got really concerned about how much gun violence we're seeing and, and my kids' my kids' safety in school. How old are your kids? I have a 20-year-old who's in college now, and I have a 17-year-old who is in high school here in Bend. Were you one of the organizers of the Bend chapter of Moms Demand Action? No, um, I came into this after uh, Central Oregon Moms Demand Action was already established. So I joined four years ago after the Parkland, Florida school shooting so it is called Central Oregon Moms Demand Action. Not, I, I'm wrong in calling it the Bend Chapter. I apologize for that. How many local members are there? So we have over 300, and, and now since what's been happening uh, in the last couple of weeks with gun violence, our numbers have increased by 400. So we're over here in Central Oregon, we have about 700 supporters. And we have a team of leaders. Uh, there are seven of us that are leading. Uh, and then we work with other groups around the state as well. So you've talked a little bit about this, but if you could if you could amplify a little bit more on what motivates you to take on this challenging issue. When my oldest son was a freshman in high school, he came home one day and shared with me in a very calm, non-emotional voice. Uh, and he laid out what classrooms he thought he could survive a school shooting in. Uh, he explained to me that if he was in his engineering class, the door was out to the outside and he could just run home. If he was in health class, the teacher had a bat and he was going to jump on the gunman and then the kids could run. Uh, and if he was upstairs, he said to me, if I'm in math or Spanish, mom, those classes are upstairs and I will die. There's nowhere to go. And at that point, I realized that um, I needed to be able to look at my boys in the eye uh, and tell them I was doing everything possible to keep them safe from this crisis we're having in the United States. That must have been an incredible thing for you to hear. It's heartbreaking. And I have since had those conversations with my younger son, um, who is now going to be a senior in high school next year. And they, these kids are thinking about this every day, and we as adults, we have failed them, and we have, to, we have to rise up. We have to change this and not wait until it's one of our own children to get involved. 
As I mentioned at the at the start of the conversation here, uh, congressional hearings are happening right now, and it doesn't seem like there's going to be a majority support for any significant changes in the Senate. Republicans seem unmoved and unwilling to ban the sale of large capacity magazines or to prevent 18-year-olds from buying assault weapons. The gun lobby seems to be in control of the Republicans in Congress. Is federal legislation enough? And what are some of the differences between what a state can do and what the federal government can do? We need federal laws. So we have a patchwork system right now when we allow states to have their own gun laws uh, because people can just go to the neighboring state. And if that state has weaker gun laws, they can obtain weapons there and then bring them across state lines. So one of the best examples of that, that the gun lobby likes to yell quite loudly, is that Chicago's gun violence epidemic is proof that we should not uh, work to change gun laws because they don't work. Illinois has very strict gun laws, and yet the gun violence in Chicago is still high. The reason for that and the gun lobby won't talk about this part, is that Chicago is very near the Indiana border, and Indiana has very weak gun laws. And so people are just driving across the border and then bringing them back. And Wisconsin is right above Chicago, and they also have weaker gun laws. In Oregon, we have a similar situation. We're fortunate that Washington and California have quite strict gun laws, um, similar to Oregon. But Idaho is ranked with strength of gun laws. Idaho is ranked 49th out of the 50 states. So we also are more at risk with having neighboring states that don't have strong gun laws. We need federal laws, and that would really go a long ways. And what would you like to see? What, what are the kind of laws that you would, would like to see as, a, as an activist who's really immersed in this issue? We need a background check for every single gun purchase in the United States. And right now that is not happening. Some states that does happen, but there are loopholes. Even here in, in Oregon, we have pretty good gun laws here, but we have something called the Charleston loophole, where if someone puts in a background check to buy a firearm, if that background check does not come back within three days, they are allowed to take that gun home. And our research has shown that if a person's background check does not come back within three days, it is more likely that it would have been denied. So this is a loophole that has got to get closed. And it needs to, we need to make sure that federally we have a background check for every gun sale. And right now, we uh, Congress has put, the House has uh, has H.R. 8, which is a federal background check law, and unfortunately, uh, Mitch McConnell refuses to bring it to the Senate floor for a vote. So it's been sitting on his desk for years. What other things would you like to see done? We need to have a leader of our Bureau of uh, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. We have not had a leader of the ATF since 2015. And again, that's being held up by political games in Washington, D.C. Uh, President Biden has nominated a director, Steve Dettelbach, and right now that vote is being held up 
we need Congress to give the ATF all of the resources that it needs. This is the agency that is supposed to make sure that our gun laws are being followed, and it also is supposed to stop the pipeline of illegal gun sales and trafficking of guns. They're being held up because they don't have the resources and they don't even have a director. Would you like to see uh, the age limit for buying assault weapons changed? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you think about what um, is happening right now, 18-year-olds are not allowed to buy handguns in many states, including in Oregon, but they are allowed to buy long guns, which includes that the AR-15, which is being used in these mass shootings. So if you think about it, an 18-year-old can't, rent a car, they can't even go buy a White Claw at Safeway, but they can go into a store and buy a weapon that can kill a massive amount of people in just a few seconds. We have to change that. We have, um, the gun industry has really been able to get out of accountability. And unfortunately, President George W. Bush signed uh, a law in 2005. It was called the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act. And what that does is it protects gun dealers and manufacturers from liability. And that is not okay because the bottom line is they have no incentive, gun manufacturers and Dealers have no incentive to be a safer business in the United States. And what we really need to focus on is the data. And Moms Demand Action is a data-driven organization. Uh, Every Town for Gun Safety is our partner, and they run their own research. And what we know is that the gun homicide rate in the United States is 26 times that of other peer nations. So these are other high-income countries who have mental illness issues. They have social media. They have violent video games. They have divorce. They have drugs and alcohol. So we need the gun lobby to stop using propaganda and lying to the American people and trying to blame every other social issue but the guns. So we know it's the guns because our gun homicide rate's 26 times that of other peer nations. And we have nearly 400 million guns in circulation in the United States. So if guns made us safer, which is what the gun lobby wants us to believe, so that they can sell guns, if it made us safer, we would be the safest country on earth. And the opposite is true. Guns for teachers higher security in schools and public buildings, that's not what you see as a viable solution at all? Not at all. And we have um, a lot of law enforcement officials coming out against that. Teachers are against that. Um, That is not what we need to do. We need to tighten our gun laws. We need to make it harder for people who are irresponsible to get guns. And we need to not have military weapons on our streets. So that is what we have to work on. And the other thing is we need to get people into office who are going to work to stop gun violence. 
So elections matter. Our votes matter. Yes, I noted uh, that uh, in yesterday's congressional hearings that Kurt Schrader, who's uh, currently the uh, member of Congress from the 5th Congressional District here in Central Oregon or here in Oregon, uh, voted with the Republicans uh, on that issue. Now, he's going to be out of office. He was he lost to Jamie McLeod Skinner in the um, in the primary at any rate. Have you had any opportunity to talk with her about this issue? Moms Demand Action has a program called the Gun Sense Voter Distinction, and that allows candidates to be surveyed about their thoughts on gun violence and their plans to fight gun violence when they're in office. And if they are deemed to be a, a candidate who will focus on gun safety, then they receive the Moms Demand Action Gun Sense Distinction. And Jamie McLeod Skinner has received our distinction. So, yes, she is a gun sense candidate. We are thrilled that she will be on the ticket for November. And people can go to gunsensevoter.org. You can look up in your own state who your gun sense candidates are. And we really encourage people to look that up and keep checking back because we're adding candidates uh, every day. So you mentioned that that Moms Demand Action is a data-driven organization. Is there any other data that you want to that you want to share with our listeners right now? Yeah, a very sad statistic here in the U.S. is that firearms is the leading cause of death for children and teenagers. In 2020, it overtook uh, car accidents as the leading cause of death. So uh, that is just a horrific statistic, and it's all preventable with stronger gun laws. Uh, There's also some important statistics about the fact that um, secure storage of guns really can can save lives. We have 4.6 million American children living in a home with an unlocked and loaded firearm. So when parents and grandparents lock up their guns, it will save lives. Many people don't know this, when we look at gun violence statistics, suicide is the is by far the greatest uh, issue in the United States with gun violence. And what people often believe, they believe the myth that, that if somebody's going to die by suicide, if we take the gun away, they're just going to find another way. And that's not true. Most people uh, who don't use a gun to try to end their life, they survive that attempt. And most do not go on to attempt again. So having access to a gun makes suicide lethal in a unique way, and we can prevent it. One of the things that we hear when there's a mass shooting is um, people who say, this is not the time to raise this issue, that you're politicizing the issue by raising it, and that basically you should be, we should be mourning the loss of life not raising the issue of gun control. And how do, you, how do you respond to that issue? I respond by saying we need to do the opposite of being silent. Our children are dying. They're dying in their schools. They're dying in restaurants. They're dying at the park. They're dying just driving around in their car with their friends. We have to get loud because nobody else is going to stop this madness. It's going to be us. So we have to cut the political baloney 
Uh, that's another tactic that the gun lobby uses, that we're somehow insensitive. Um, and the truth is, they know that people are riled up and they, they want to shut us down. And we need to realize this is not a political issue. This is a public health issue. So we need to keep framing it as a public health issue rather than political. It seems like we need that it's more than just legislation, that we need some sort of a cultural shift uh, in this country, which is long term. Some people have likened that that idea to a long haul look like during the civil rights movement and, and the movement for gay marriage, that it takes time. Are you optimistic that this kind of change can occur? I am optimistic. I, I am. Um, as our founder, Shannon Watts, says often, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. And cultural change is happening. We are seeing change. We have many, many people who have run for office who never thought they would be doing that. And they have gotten involved in the gun violence prevention movement and understood that is the way to do it. And so I am optimistic. Change is happening. Uh, by the headlines, it can be easy to not believe that change is happening, but there is a lot of change happening, and we are shifting the culture. And we're not trying to get rid of all guns. You know, Americans love the tradition of hunting and the tradition of being able to protect their family. And if you're a responsible gun owner, then there is no reason for you to have to give up guns. However, you may need to make some concessions, like a background check for every sale or not having a military-type weapon that you just want to use for fun. Change is happening, and um, I am hopeful. I always like to ask my guests if there's anything that I haven't raised that, that you want to say. Uh, I also want to ask you how people can contact Moms Demand Action if they want to get involved. People can text the word READY to 64433, and that will connect them to Moms Demand Action and get them involved. They will find out how um, to get connected to their local groups by texting READY to 64433. That, that's READY, R-E-A-D-Y? Yes. The other... Uh, issue that is very important in the gun violence prevention movement is for us to recognize that communities of color have been disproportionately affected by gun violence. This is not new for their communities. So we look at what happened in Buffalo. Black people were targeted. We look at what happened in Uvalde with the Latinx community targeted. So we must Elevate those voices in communities of color who have been dealing with gun violence for decades upon decades. They have been leading this fight, and we really owe a debt of gratitude to them for fighting and fighting for a long, long time. And they are doing amazing work, and it's really important that we elevate their voices. Let me give you a few statistics about gun violence in communities of color. Black Americans are 10 times more likely than white Americans to die 
by gun homicide. Every three hours in the United States, a young black man dies by gun homicide. And every 11 minutes, a black person is shot and wounded. We also need to be aware that in the Latinx community, they are two times likely to die than white Americans by gun homicide and four times more likely to be wounded. So these are startling statistics that disproportionately affect communities of color. Is there anything more that you want to add before we end? I'll just want to, uh, to anybody out there who has been affected personally by gun violence, I want you to know that there is support. And many people have uh, an incomplete idea of what it means to be a survivor of gun violence. So a survivor of gun violence is someone who has either been personally affected, meaning they have been threatened with a gun, shot and wounded with a gun, or been in a situation where uh, somebody that they love has been shot and killed with a gun. It doesn't necessarily mean that you were in the room when it happened. And that's a misconception here about being a survivor. So it could be that you've had a loved one who was threatened or who was wounded or who died. And that is traumatic. And so survivors can reach out to the Everytown Survivor Network by texting the word survivor to 64433. And there are trauma-informed support groups with people who have gone through similar situations. And there are webinars and free counseling. So I just want to let people out there who have been personally affected by gun violence to know that you are not alone and there is support. Brandy Steelhammer from Moms Demand Action, the Central Oregon chapter. Thanks so much for joining me here on the Radical Songbook podcast. Thank you so much for having me and for raising this really difficult yet important topic.